In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue to study the book of Song of Songs. We are uh, chapter 5, verse 10. So let's kind of review where we are quickly. So we said chapter 5 talks about the human soul falling into lukewarmness. And we said the issue with lukewarmness, she's telling God, I'm asleep, but my heart is awake. It's more like she's... She thinks she's good, she thinks she loves God, but she's asleep. There's no action, there's no commitment, there's no love for God. And because of that, the Lord was knocking on her door to come in and to bring her to an intimate relationship, but she did not open for him because she was lukewarm. And this is the issue of lukewarmness that when God calls me, I will not hear, I will not listen, I will not have enough strength to get up. Now what happened was, if you guys remember, we said that the Lord left the door. She heard him leaving and she got up to try to find him. She could not find him. And one of the good things about the specific perfect human soul that the book of songs, songs talk about, her faithfulness. So when she could not find him, she started running after him. She started going again, asking people. She started, first we said she talked to the clergy, and then last time she talked to the daughter of Jerusalem. And we said the daughter of Jerusalem are the saints of the church. So the daughter of Jerusalem, when she was talking to them, have you seen the one I love? Have you seen the one I love? It's like when somebody is in lukewarmness, and they try and get a, they, their hearts start to ignite, they start asking people, what should I do? What do I need to do? What can I do? It's like a constant questions. For what is, what is the response of the saints? The saints are telling the soul, tell us more about your beloved. It's almost like the saints are encouraging us to say, why do you love God so much? It's like the question that the Lord told, told the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So the rest of chapter 5, the human soul will start describing God. Will start talking about Him. And when I start describing God, there is an, a fire inside my heart that ignites. When I say, who is God to me? What have I experienced with Him? the more of his love will inflame my heart. I was reading to a saint recently and she said something beautiful in a book called What is Jesus Like? That's the name of the book. She's saying what is what supernatural beauty must Jesus' physical appearance have had? Jesus is not known that is why he is not loved. She's saying people do not love Jesus because people don't know him. How handsome Jesus was and is. What beauty, what clarity, what transparency, what an infinite depth of all perfection. There is not a single ray of light that does not imitate from the sun, nor a single divine odor that does not come from that center point, nor a single drop of heavenly joy that is not de derived from that font. Knowing him, studying him, and feeling his presence, who would be capable of offending him? But more than anything, one must love him because love draws us closer to him. Love is a light 
that illuminates, transforms, and unites. And this is kind of the idea that a lot of the saints would describe in their own prayers, who is God, who is Jesus to them. A lot of our praises in the church talks about what God has done, how is he like, what is his work like. A lot of our own personal prayer might not reflect that. A lot of our personal prayer tend to be more of what I want, what I need, what I'm asking for. And it's still some of our personal prayer reflect that we're still in the early stages of our spiritual life. So she's going to start describing her beloved. So what is your beloved? Who, who, why do you love God so much? What is she saying? She says, my beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. The word Rudy means red, means white and red means health and beauty. And why is she using this expression? By the way, this is the same expression that the Bible uses to describe David the prophet. If you look in 1 Samuel 17, 42, it says, And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him. This was Goliath. For he was only a youth, for he is only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. When the world looked at David, who prefigures the Lord, the world never appreciated David the prophet. Especially in the time when he's, he was most pure, most close to God. The world did not know him. So she's telling them, my beloved is beautiful and healthy. The world does not know him. He is um, a spotless man. It's like in the book of Revelation when St. John describes him. He says his head and her hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. That white color that talks a lot about the description of God usually describes his light. When the Lord appeared in, in his glory, he always appears with a lot of light around him. Transfiguration. Not only him was full of light, but even those who appeared with him were full of light. And what is she saying? She's saying that my beloved is full of light because she has experienced his light entering into her darkness. You know, all of us might have experienced the moment when the Lord would reveal how terrible sin is, how evil it is, how ugly the life of sin can be. She's saying God is light, holy, pure, love. She's describing what who she loves. And then to the, to the beauty and the glory and the light, she's adding the red color. We said the red color reminds us of David the prophet, but also the red color represents the sacrifice that the Lord is offering. If you look, if you look in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 7, says what? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. We are married to a Lamb. And his wife has made herself ready. One of the things that you will notice when you walk into a church, 
there is always red color. The curtain is made out of red. The batrashin that the deacons wear is made out of red. Because through the blood of the Lord, we're able to enter the church. We're able to enter heaven. We're able to be like deacons transfigured in heaven. My beloved have transfigured me. Have given me that white and red color to make me like him. And that's why in Revelation said how the blood of the Lord cleanses when John was talking, said, so he said to me, there are, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So when they took themselves, put themselves in the, in the blood of the Lamb, they did not become red, they became what? Glorious. They belonged to God. And she's saying he is the chiefest, he is the chief among ten thousands. Like he is visible, unique, more than anybody else. And this is why David the prophet was saying, for who in heaven can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? Who is like God? Gregory of Nessa saying, all these elements constituting the bridegroom beauty are made known for our benefits, but do not show his invisible, incomprehensible beauty. Like he's saying, all the description that the, the, the bride is expressing about her love does not even come closer to who he is. By the way, as we are reading this chapter, it's nice for us to think about who is God to me. If I would write a, a, a poetry or a song of love, how would I describe him? How would I describe my experience with my love, my Lord? She's saying, his head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as raven. What does it mean his head like gold? She's talking about even though God is so full of lights and he sacrificed himself, but he is divine. He's the highest creature, he is the highest, he is the highest of all creature. All creatures are created by him and submit to him. He's all-powerful. The thoughts of God are gold. What does it mean? Gold enriches people. Gold does not rust. The thoughts of God that He has for us elevates us from our own imagination. You know, in the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, for example, if you would have said, love your enemies, people would consider you either a traitor or a foolish person. There's no such a thing as love your enemies. That's a stupid thing, people would say. Who elevated us to learn what is love? Because we were at enmity with God and God still loved us. 
Historically, for example, people who mourned, some philosophers at the time of the Lord considered them uneducated, foolish. The Lord comes and says, blessed are those who mourn. So the Lord has different thoughts than the world. Imagine what God wants for us. He wants us to shine like stars. All our dreams, all our ambitions is nothing compared to what God wants for us. Nothing. Look at the beauty of our beloved Mother Virgin Mary. Look at the glory that the whole world offers praises to this beautiful Mother. This is the glory that God gives His children. And that's why some of the saints will say, when we pray, we learn what's in the mind of the Christ. And first, first Corinthians two twelve says, "Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God." It's unfortunate that many Christians live without receiving anything from God. What have I received? It's important. And then she's saying, his hair is wavy. It represents authority. And black because it represents youth. There's no gray hair. He's, He's young. He's youthful. And by the way, obviously, you guys know that our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified when he was 33. So he was very youthful. But it's not about this. It is about the newness that God gives his children regardless of their age. In Psalm 103, 4, it says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles? Those who walk with God do not get old, but the depth of the relationship with the Lord becomes more beautiful each day. Every day is a better day. Every day is a more beautiful day than the day before. There are some stories of a priest in Upper Egypt who is more than 92 years old. He was still taking a bike to go visit people, uh, bicycle to go visit people from place to place until he was 92. Repentance is what makes us fall in love with God more because it makes me see more of God. If I'm not able to express the beauty of God, it means that I need to cleanse my lens, I need to repent. 
Remember earlier also we talked about how the soul was praising God. The soul was lifting its heart to talk about how beautiful God is. Now, uh, sorry, how God was praising the soul. Now the soul learned to praise God. It's actually one of the most beautiful encounters in the scripture. The Lord, when he wrestled with Jacob. What happened? The Lord asked Jacob, what is your name? And then later on, Jacob asked the Lord, what is your name? As if like Jacob is learning how to speak to God from the question that God is saying. Imagine if the disciples would have asked Jesus, what do you say about us? You want us to know what we say about you, but what, how do you see us? She continues to describe the Lord. She's describing the Lord to the saints. She says, His eyes are like doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fittily set. I want you guys to think of this like when, um, when the doves are, are, are coming closer to the water, they're like feathers as they kind of move their feathers. There's, there's like their feathers move like with a sparkling brightness. So the doves are white and they're moving next to the water and as their wings are touching the water it's a bit of a sparkling brightness. That's kind of the image that she is trying to build. She's saying your eyes are sparkling brightness. Your eyes are beautiful white. And she's saying this because she's saying that the eyes of the Lord She's saying, obviously, his eyes are like doves by the rivers of water. And we're going to explain this a bit more. But she says, your eyes are so beautiful because the eyes of the Lord have seen this woman, this human soul, when she's so far, and the Lord still brought the soul very close. The Lord have seen something in the Samaritan woman, have seen something in the right-hand thief. He saw something even in Peter, knowing that he will doubt The Lord still entrusted him. Also, if we look at this verse in the context of the church, when it says his, his eyes are like doves by the river of water, reminds us of the moment of baptism. When look in Matthew 3.16, it says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came out immediately from the water. And behold, Behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. It's kind of the image of who God is. The, the Lord is coming out of the water and the dove coming around him, lighting and sparkling and white. Origen said, doves over the abundance of water, it means this kind of bird, when it comes to the water, there is a custom to suffer the attacks of the hawk. So when the doves come around the water, the hawk will attack them. And they detect its hostile arrival in flight when it sees the shadow of its wings in the water. So when the hawk comes, the dove can see the shadow of the wings in the water. And it escapes the deceit of the imminent peril by, by the keen vision. So how does the dove skip the hawk attack? Because it sees the shadow of the hawk coming. So because of its vision, it runs away. 
For if you could thus look out for the snares of the devil and avoid them, you would offer doves a sacrifice to God. So how do I offer sacrifices to God? If I watch the attacks of the devil and sacrifices and sacrifice and sacrifice um, not falling into them. So he gives this kid another meaning of the eyes of God as the eyes of somebody who is being sacrificed or who is sacrificing himself. Imagine an animal at the moment of slaughter. Look at him. Or sometimes when you go visit a person in his deathbed, he cannot speak, but you can make eye contact with him. The eyes would say so much, so much, full of conversations that only enters the heart. The eyes of the Lord looks at us with the rivers of water. The Lord wants to feed us. That's why even in the time of his crucifixion in Luke 23, 28, it says, as he is suffering, but Jesus turning to them said, daughter of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself, for your children. God is not looking at us with an eyes of see what I have done for you, but it's eyes full of promises, full of water. The eyes of God brings the best of us. That's why for us, if I want the eyes of the Lord to change me, I need to let the work of the Spirit work inside of me. I need to spend more time with God. One of the fathers was saying something beautiful. He said, but I became less of a man when I spent time with men. I became less of a man when I spent time with men. When I spent time looking at the Lord, I become what I was meant to be. When God created humanity, he took dust and breathed into it. There's a constant life that is embedded into human being to be able to be fully human. And when he's talking about the white and the milk, obviously the milk in the scripture always refers to the word of God. And you see this in, um, in 2 Corinthians when he told them, I have fed you. Uh, sorry, in First Peter he says, As new babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow, thereby if needed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. So he's saying that in my eyes, when you look at me, you will see the sacrifice, you will see the brightness, you will see the words that I want to tell you, I want to, I want to teach you. That's why a lot of the fathers of the church would spend a lot of time meditating on the Lord and, and meditating on the cross because in it there is that deep relationship that develops more. And he's saying, look here, when he's talking about the eyes of the Lord, and she's describing him, she says, and a, and a fitly set. What is, what is a fitly set mean? It's almost like a gem on a ring, like a, like a proposal ring. 
And these sort of stones were the same stones that were put on the priest uh, breastplates. You guys remember when we talked earlier in another in the book of Samuel, we talked about how the priest used to wear a special uh, breastplate and it has two different stones on it. And then he would stand in front of God and if one of them lights means yes, if one the other one lights means no. So she's saying that the eyes of the Lord are like a, a proposal ring, you know, with the, with the diamond, it looks so beautiful. His eyes are looking at us with full attention, with gentleness. He's not moving, he's still. He looks at us with great concentration. And this is here expressed to us the soul that speaks about the person that she knows and loves, someone she has experienced. One of the saints said, Jesus is the name of peace which calms all storms, a name of light which illuminates the night of the spirit, who is not enchanted by your sweetness, who does not experience your virtue. If I sit with myself, I will learn more and more to describe who God is to me. And this beautiful soul here talks more and more about who the Lord is. She continues to describe the Lord to the saints and she's saying, His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of sentence of sensed herbs, his lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. The cheeks of the person in the in the Hebrew tradition was known to be the seat of beauty. Like that's why also a lot of ladies would just put some makeup, try to make them look red. But what did the Lord do to his cheeks? If you look in Isaiah 50, verse 6, it says, I give my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and spitting. The seed of beauty... God have allowed it to be exposed to shame and degradation for our sake. When the human soul is looking at the cross, so she, is, she sees the cheeks of God are so beautiful because these were insulted for me. These were hurt for me. And she said, it's filled with fragment, with ointment, as bed with aromatic plants. Like these cheeks, the, the suffering that the Lord has taken, taken over his, his face, it's like, it's like what, the ointment is what makes me feel good. It's like a lotion. This is what softens me. And she said, she said she says, banks of sentenced herb. A lot of the, the sentenced herbs or the sweet flowers were actually a bit highly raised in elevation. It's almost like she's saying, if you want to put it all together, saying, she's saying his cheeks are like a garden with spices. And in the garden, there's a bit more different elevations and designs. Better get a very well landscaped garden. Some have plants, some have lily, some have this, some have that. It's almost like the suffering of the Lord have decorated him. This is when you come, I don't want to say decorated him because the Lord is all beauty, but 
when I look at him, he looks like all his suffering, I could see his love for me. And obviously, lips, she's describing his lips, and she says his lips are like lily. If you guys remember in John 7, 4, 6, the officer said, no man ever spoke like this man. And the lilies are red, uh, usually red lilies are soft and gentle. And this reflects the essence of the Lord. And First Peter said, no, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in him. He's so innocent like the lilies. That beautiful garden that the Lord put on himself is not only to show us his love, but to show us that all of us belong and are part of him. One of the saints, she said, Jesus has been gracious enough to teach me a lesson about the mystery of the different souls. Simply by holding up my eyes, the book of nature, I understood how all the flowers God created are beautiful, how the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not take away from the perfume of the violet or the simplicity of the daisy. I understood that if all flowers wanted to be roses, nature would lose her springtime beauty and the fields would no longer be decked out with little wildflowers. And so it is in the world of souls, Jesus garden, he willed to create great souls comparable to lilies and roses, but he created the smaller ones as well, and these must be content to be daisies or violet, destined to give joy to God's glances when he looks down at his feet. Perfection consists of doing God's will in being what he would have us to be. So what is she saying? She's saying this beautiful garden that's being described here in the Lord also describes all the different human that God has created. Some might appear like roses and so unique. Some might bring some beautiful smell, but they look small. All of them make everything look beautiful. No matter, a lot of, a lot of scientists will talk about how people have different personalities and now they found out that Part of our personalities were born with it, and part of it we can develop it over time. So no, no matter what your personality falls in, the perfection of that type of personality is in God. The perfection of all who we are is in God. It means I will find my full self in Him. And she's saying his lips are dripping myrrh. Obviously, um, the commandment, when we talk about the lips of God, we're talking about the commandments of God. And sometimes the commandments of God rebukes us. And she's talking how much she loves God and how beautiful he is. But she also recalls sometimes how the commandment of God rebuked her. Myrrh was very expensive, but is bitter. That's why the Lord said in Jeremiah 23, 29, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? 
the word of the Lord are meant to break us into pieces. And we have to be careful about this because a sign of lukewarmness is that the word of the Lord has no impact in my heart. You know, like, when you speak to somebody, any person on the streets, your family, people's words matter. That's when people speak. Somebody tells you, you look beautiful today, you feel good. If somebody says, you look like you just woke up, you feel like miserable. The, the, the words of what people say matters. If the words of people impact us, what about the words of the Lord himself? All of this, the human soul continued to describe God. And by the way, she describes him with a lot of things that he has done for her and how she experienced him and how she viewed him. She says, his hands are rods of gold set with pearly. His body is carved ivory and lead and laid with sapphires. His hands are like rod of gold set with berry. Obviously, the berry is, a, is a, an ancient crystal gold in color. And she's saying that his hands are like the crystal on top of golden rods. And why is she using these expressions? If you look in Revelation 21, 19, 20, these exact same stones were the foundations of New Jerusalem. Like it says, the foundation, this is, I read a small part of it. It says, the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second was sapphire. And you guys remember, we actually read this in, the, in, in Bright Saturday, and we sing this part. This is part of the singing we sing when we read the book of Revelation because it describes New Jerusalem. It describes heaven. You know, if I love God so much and I'm excited to go to heaven, when was the last time that I asked the Lord, show me heaven. Let me see the beauty of my home. Let me see how, how, how my, my, my time would look like. Since the finger of the Lord are like rods of gold with very precious stones on them. The hands of the Lord, she's talking about him, obviously she's saying his fingers are like gold. means like the hands of the Lord, God carries us in our life. So many blessings. My own breath even is a miracle. Angels are surrounding us all the time. And no one can take us away from these very beautiful, strong hands. You guys remember in the scripture we say, from your hands we have given you. These beautiful hands that full of gold and full of stones and full of beauty. These are the hands that we give God from. And obviously he's talking about the Lord 
He says, the hands are rods of gold set with pearly. His body is carved ivory and laid with sapphires. Nobody at that time in Israel would wear a ring unless he is a son. A slave was not allowed to wear a golden ring. So the Lord is giving us his sonship and freedom to us. When he says this in Galatians 4, 7, he says, Therefore, you're no longer a slave but a son. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are heirs of the kingdom of heaven. One of the saints said something beautiful. She said, Jesus is mine. Is it possible Jesus is mine? Jesus is truly mine. Mine, that God whom we bear in our souls and who has surrendered himself to us in a thousand access of love. Very well then, let us offer ourselves to him, all his, ever his. Do we understand the beauty and the magnitude of God has given us? The Lord gives us sonship. He gives us authority, like in John 6.27. In Revelation 7.24, it says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth and the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. God has sealed each one of us with his own seal. And the world is sustained by those who love God. And she's talking about his body. The body usually is an expression of the passion and the compassion. Not passion in a bad way, but the compassion of the person. So shame the compassion and love of God toward us is so beautiful. The Lord says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joints. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. And the scripture. What is inside the heart of God toward us? Compassion. Maybe one day we can enter his heart and see the beauty inside the heart of God. And you see this clear in Isaiah when he says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And, and, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all days of old. What's inside the, the compassion of God? This is ivory. You guys know ivory was what ancient people used to make palaces. It was glory. The Lord's body was torn apart to create for us a royal palace to love inside of him. And then the, the last part of the description, she says, uh, ivory... Uh, Carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. What is a sapphire? Sapphire, if you, and if you guys are aware of this, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a crystal. 
but it's a very strong crystal and you can see through it. So it's saying is the Lord's body, her, her beloved body, is curved, basically his passion, his love. It's almost like an ancient great palace of ivory, full of lights and full of these stones which represents the glory of God. She's talking about the feelings and the thoughts that God has for us. One of the saints said, the Lord said, it is I, do not be afraid. We shall hear, be touched, and feel ourselves relieved of the great weight that oppresses us as we become aware of his compassion, his charity, and his infinite love. Jesus wants love from us more than fear. He wants more confidence, love, and gratefulness. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, the Bible says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We are invited to have the same glory, the same love, the same feelings as the Lord himself. I don't think I've ever seen somebody describe their spouse or their husband the same way that this human soul describing him. It's amazing how everything is connected. Revelation, the crucifixion of the Lord, everything adds to how I know God. His glory, His creation, everything, everything. She is continuing to say, his legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His contents is like Lebanon, excellent as cedars. Obviously, legs represent strength and steadfastness. So she's saying the, the Lord, the Lord is steadfast, is strong. And that's why on the cross, the legs of the Lord Jesus were not broken. Only the thieves were broken. They did not break the legs of the Lord. But the legs of the Lord were pierced. You know, like um, when somebody is so, so strong and so steadfast, you cannot move them. Maybe you can injure them, but not move them. There's a beautiful story about uh, some scientists who went to Africa to try to find like a, a rare type of plants and then they found like a plant in a, in a little ditch, a little hole in the ground, a little well. But they didn't, they didn't want to get down there to get it. It's a very rare type of plant. So they found a child passing by, they told him, look, I'll give you some money. Can you, we'll, you know, can you take this rope? We'll hold the rope for you, go get the plant and come up. He said, sure, no problem, but just wait for me. They waited for him. One hour later, he's coming in with a very old man. Father told him, who's this old man? He told him, this is my father. He told him, why did you bring your father? He said, because he's the only one I can trust holding the rope for me. He'll not 
is not going to give up the rope until his last breath. He will be injured. He will bleed. But he's so steadfast in his love for me. The legs of God have freed me from my own slavery. That's why in the midnight litany is a beautiful prayer. It says, Give me, O Lord, many fountains of tears. As you have given in the past the sinful woman, make me worthy to wash your feet, which liberate, liberated me from the path of straying, and offer you precious fragrant oil, and gain through repentance a pure life, so that I may hear the voice full of joy, your faith has saved you. Openings. So the Lord's leg, the Lord's leg, are pillars of marble set on a basis of fine gold. You can almost think of a sandal that's made out of gold. This is what the Lord is. His leg is marble, strong, and he what is is set on the fine gold. What is the idea of sitting on a fine gold? It means that the Lord is truth. Why is the Lord truth? Because remember how is gold purified goes into fire and all its, all its uh, uh, pollution is out. But the Lord was tried in fire and was found without any pollution, perfect and pure. And says his contents or his features is like Lebanon. If you guys... That, that time, the old days, Lebanon was very known for white limestone rocks. If you guys look at ever these rocks, I looked at them the other day. They give you like the impression of authenticity, innocence, because it's like a pure white rocks. So the Lord, even though he is stable, steadfast, strong, sits on a, on a pillar of truth. When you look at him, you know sometimes people think of truth as an angry person because they're yelling at people. You look at him with great beauty and great gentleness. Have you ever met somebody who can tell you so much truth with so much love? A lot of times when people want to vent what's on their side, their heart, the truth, they come out as an angry person. Who can express the beauty of the Lord? Who can express so much truth with so much beauty except the Lord? So I, one of the saints was saying, Western saint, she says, at time I see him as a child. She sees the Jesus when he was a child. The first thing you ask a child is, what is your name? Let us do this often with Jesus. He will answer in the depth of our soul with the sweetness and love that are so characteristic of him. He will tell us what we need to hear. I am the resurrection and life. His divine lips will tell us over and over that our faith will be illuminated and our hope for future happiness will expand the breath of our souls, anguish at the thought of death of those we love. When I ask God, what is your name? He answers at the depth of my heart. And he promised me Faith that he will give me, another gift of faith that he will give me. And this gift of faith will make me full of light, will make me uh, see him, see, see, see uh, the heaven 
while I am on earth. And she's saying, all this is excellent as, as what? Excellent as cedars. Excellent is literally the most beautiful, the most fair, the type of wood or the cedar or the stones that people used to use in Lebanon. God is strong, consistent, great, loving. And you know, it's beautiful when the human soul is describing the Lord, she's not just giving characteristics. It's how she, it's like a personal encounter with God. Like she saw like a real person. But she's in that interaction, when he spoke, he's not a normal words. It's something more. So then she tries to describe it in a more details. When I looked at his feet, his legs, it's not a typical leg. It's more into it. So the description that she gives are so beautiful and so wonderful. We'll stop here and continue. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.